What is up, guys? Uh, second episode of Sports Talk 316 here. Uh, we're here on Sunday, May 19th, 2019. Uh, this is Brett Colburn alongside my man here, Shane Wellman. How we doing, Shane? Uh, I'm doing well. Wonderful Sunday. Dark clouds in the sky. Storm are brewing. It's, you can't beat it. Love springtime. Uh, I think spring's already over. It's supposed to be like 90 this week, so got to love that. We 90, had like, for, 90 for my wedding, so we'll be in suits and sweating for the wedding, so that's, yeah. that's fine. Yeah, for those of you guys who don't know, my man Shane here is getting married on Friday, um, so yeah, we're super excited about that. That's actually all we're going to talk about, Shane. We're going to ask you in, intimate questions about your, uh, about your marriage and, uh, we're going to dive into that today. Yeah, that's great. I think Kelly will really love it if I spill some secrets right before it. So yeah, all right, let's, let's do it. Yeah. All 20 of us will, will start spreading the news. Um, but for real, we're going to talk about a few things today on the, on the agenda. Um, diving in a little NBA talk, you know, just as a disclaimer, we're not huge NBA guys. But we're going to give it a shot. Um, got some stuff we want to talk about there. Um, NHL playoffs still going on. Some some interesting controversy happening as well. Um, something I'm just beyond excited for here. Um, NCAA football, the video game, there's a chance it comes back. I mean, that's that's just absolutely groundbreaking. Should be the top of the story. This should be the A block here, as, as, as they say. Um, yeah, it, it's big time. I, absolutely. You know, that's uh, big time news, whether it happens or not. Uh, if it just doesn't, I'll be heartbroken. But. Yeah, I think we end the podcast forever if that does not actually come to fruition. But uh, then we'll ro- cl- uh, wrap up here with some MLB talk. And then we're going to dive into some scripture that I'm super excited about in Ephesians chapter 2. Um, talking about a little bit of what um, what God's done for us so far. If you guys, if this is your first time listening, um, should give you an idea of what we do. Uh, Shane and I love talking about sports and our, our faith in God. And we talk about a little bit of both on this podcast. So hang tight with us. Um, it'll be an interesting ride, um, and yeah, here we go. Let's just dive in. NBA lottery um, just happened what a week or so ago. Last Tuesday, maybe. Yeah, last last Tuesday. Um, so the lottery came out. The draft has not happened, um, and yeah, I wanted to get your thoughts on on kind of what happened. Pelicans with the first overall pick, and the Knicks going dropping to three. Um, Lakers jumping to four. Um, so the odds were all kind of out of out of order. Um, Knicks were certainly disappointed to not get the first overall pick and a chance at Duke standout Zion Williamson. But um, wanted to get your thoughts on the draft and the lottery and maybe the system of itself. Is it like a good system to implement for a draft? Uh, yeah. So as Brett mentioned, we you know it's called Sports Talk Three Sixteen. So we do try to talk about every sport. So this is going to be my attempt to talk about the talk about NBA a little bit. Um, yeah, it's an interesting situation with Zion, just uh, with him being able to declare to go back to Duke if he doesn't want to go to the Pelicans. So he really holds a lot of power. Um, it will be interesting if he does. Uh, he would turn down a good chunk of money to go back to Duke. He would risk getting injured. You know, we saw him blow out of a shoe earlier this year. So, you know, if it becomes more serious, he could really hurt his chances. Um would he go number one overall again next year? Probably. Um, he's that good of an athlete. I think it's interesting to see what the Pelicans do. Are they going to hold on to that first-round pick if Zion's like, hey, I don't want to go to you, and if you keep it, I'm going back to Duke? Would they try to trade it and pick up a lot of pieces that they need anyways? Mm-hmm. Um, and then look at from another, what does Anthony Davis do now? Does he want to stay and play with Zion, or is, does he still like, hey, no, I'm done here. Get me out of here. Um 
I did read somewhere that they said the Lakers may use that. They jumped up to four. They may use that pick to try to get Davis from the Pelicans. So Yeah. Yeah, that's an interesting thing. It's, it's a lot of people are – because Anthony Davis has been requesting a trade for like two or three seasons now. Um, and it's been really kind of picking up steam as he's entering his last year of his contract, and especially with the Pelicans in the position they're in with that first overall pick. Um, yeah, we've heard – Rumors that you know the Knicks, the Lakers, um, and, a, and a couple other teams out there are trying to put together packages. Even the Celtics are kind of rumored to put together a package around Jason Tatum, which would be a huge blockbuster. Um, so yeah, Pelicans are really weird spot. I don't know if I'd want to be in the Pelicans position because like, yes, you get the first overall pick, that's great, but like your your whole franchise rests in the decisions you make in the next two months, and it's a lot of pressure to get it right. Um, and even more so, I think in New York with the Knicks, where they have just been so mediocre for so long but have such a passionate fan base led by Stephen A. Smith and his obnoxious yelling and Spike Lee and all those guys um, but I think at the end of the day that this draft is really going to alter a lot of franchises you got guys like John Morant R.J. Barrett a lot of really talented players at the top of the draft um, I'm interested to see if Zion pulls a, a, an Eli Manning on draft day gets picked by you know gets picked by the Pelicans goes no I'm not playing here unless you trade me I'm going home and ends up you know somewhere else i could end up in new york in new york with uh kevin durant and kyrie irving you know super team yeah exactly which who knows what's going to happen nba offseason is going to be crazy um playoffs going on don't even really need to talk about it because the warriors are going to win so that are we cool with that are we cool yeah that? i'm i'm good with that okay no kd no problem yeah exactly that's kind of how we all feel um one thing i want did want to touch on before we move on um there's an interesting article in usa today by ted berg um who wrote asking if we should even have drafts for amateur selections of players. And this is just a really far-fetched idea. He's saying that the idea of um, ranking teams based on their record from the professional teams to pick amateur players that are eligible um, is kind of an archaic way of doing things. Um, and he brought the idea, you just create a salary cap, and every team makes their case to every athlete, and then the athletes get to pick where they want to go. Um, you know, this, there's a ton of money on the line with every one of these picks, and they don't get to decide where they end up playing. They get picked. So like in Zion's case, he might not want to play in New Orleans, but he if he gets picked, he's playing in New Orleans. Um, yeah, just a weird uh, a weird food for thought there. I didn't know if you had any opinions on that either way. Uh, yeah. Um, obviously, the lottery is a little weird, a little different than every other sport. Um, I think it does prevent tanking a little bit just because, say they go, oh, and I don't know, 72 or however many games they play. Um they still don't – they have the best odds to get the get the first pick. So I think that's interesting. Uh, as for Ted Berg's idea, I just don't know how it would work out because say, say Golden State and New York Knicks have the same salary cap. Like would, would the salary cap be different between teams who finish higher? Like because if not, what would stop, you know, the Warriors going out and signing Zion because – you know, Zion's like, hey, I can be a rookie and win seven championships in a row. Mm. So it's like, what would stop the Warriors from doing that? Or not even just the Warriors, but just a team like the Bucks or the Raptors instead of, and then, you know, the Knicks who obviously aren't very good, they get kind of stuck with lower tier players because no nobody would want to go there if, you know, the Golden State Warriors offered you the same contract. Yeah, and that's kind of what I was thinking too is there's a lot of, a lot of like interesting loopholes that would that would have to be solved like every player coming out of college in the international pool would want to play for a, at least a decent young team mm-hmm. and so that means the really bad teams will probably stay really bad and the really good teams will probably stay really good and that's the biggest problem in the NBA is there's such a divide between the elite four or five teams 
and then the rest. And I think that, I don't know if that necessarily would solve that problem, but it's a unique idea. I like, I like those kinds of thoughts um, to see if anything, you know, is worth at least pursuing. And it's just fun, fun to talk about. Uh, moving on to sport we know a little bit more about. We'll dive into the uh, NHL playoffs here. Um, in the last week or so, the Bruins just absolutely manhandled the Hurricanes and swept them. Um, Tuka Rask, their goalie, was just fantastic. Um, Blues and the Sharks are tied at two games apiece here going heading into game five. Um, had some controversy earlier in the series. Um, what, what have you been seeing so far in the playoffs? And uh, are, are the Bruins going to take it all the way? Yeah, um, I definitely think we hit on this two weeks ago when we recorded our first podcast. And in the NHL playoffs, it's, it's very important to have a goalie that's going to carry you. We saw Bogrovsky do it in the sweep of the Lightning. And now Tuka's doing it, did it with the sweep of the Canes. Um, big-time goaltending equals big-time results, I feel like. Uh, in Game 4, Bennington well, gave up one goal, 2-1 win. So, you know, goaltending really does carry you in the playoffs. Um, as for the controversial call... I know the question is, should that play be reviewable? Mm-hmm. I think that makes it hard because how often does that actually happen? Are people just going to be stopping the game constantly because they think of that? Uh, I think the another controversial call was the offsides and the avalanche. Was he offsides? Yeah, and he came out and said that he needs to hustle back to the bench. But at the same time, everyone knew he wasn't coming back to the play. He was... He was exiting. So people have talked about, should that be reviewable? Like, he, he's nowhere near the play. Like, he's coming off the ice. Like, he had no impact on that play. Is it offsides? Yes. But was he really in the play? No. So I've heard some people be upset about that call just simply because, like, again, he's not in the play. He's mm-hmm. on the other side of the ice, has zero impact. So, you know, I think there's been a lot of controversial type of plays in the playoffs, it's just what's the NHL going to do about it? I mean, you could also go with controversial hits, like what was it, Game Three? Uh, Brad Marsh Marchand mm. sticks, uh, and I forget who it was. Got him up by the face. Mm. He went after him. Justin Williams. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Went Justin Williams up by the face. Justin Williams went after him. Justin Williams got a penalty. Yeah. So like, but Judge Marchand's bread and butter. Yeah, you know, that's for that. But. So there's been a lot of stuff going yeah. on that. I've heard NHL analysts and fans be a little upset about. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's there's been a lot of controversy going for the the the, the hand pass, um, and that ended up sealing the deal in overtime for for the Sharks in Game Three. Um, you know, do I have an issue with it not being called? Of course, of course, it should be called. Um, I don't think it should be a penalty or against the rules to do a hand pass. That's a different story. That's that's not the the point of the the argument. Um, but I think as long as there's reviewable and non-reviewable plays in sports, there's going to be those controversies. Just Absolutely. like we saw in the Saints in the playoffs with the Rams, that pass interference. Like, why wasn't that reviewable? It should be reviewable. Well, it's because it's a judgment call. And when, when judgment calls are made on the field at the, at the pace of play, they're going to be made wrong. And that's part of the game, and that's part of what I think belongs in the game. I don't think that everything should end up going to a reviewable type stuff where, yeah, like you said, there's a stop and go, oh, we, we heard from upstairs that this is the wrong call. We got to go back and start over. And like, I, I don't think any of that is, is in the best interest of the sport. Um, I think it creates good conversation when there's controversy and it's unfortunate that the Blues lost and they are my team. I didn't want them to lose that. And I think it sucks that they did that way. But um, I don't know if there needs to be a drastic change in the rules or a, a, like a deeper dive into anything 
beyond maybe changing that hand passes should be allowed. Um, that's about as far as I got as, as far as the, the controversy. Um, but when, when I look at when I look at who's left, I mean the Bruins obviously have kind of they they got I didn't want to say they got an easy road to the playoffs, but they got a much easier road than they anticipated um, after they took out um, Columbus, who was probably the only other hotter team with them, and then, and then Carolina, who was playing well, but again Columbus and Carolina both weren't the most highly touted teams coming out of the out of the regular season. Um, so they're looking really comfortable. Blues and Sharks, I can go either way on here. I, I wouldn't be I, – I think that the Bruins will end up winning the Stanley Cup because they're a big physical team and they're going to be rested mm-hmm. and healthy. Um, Marshawn's going to be annoying and going to be hated even more, but he's probably going to be hated with a cup. And the fact that Boston wins a championship every 140 days, I feel like, for that city – I saw a, a billboard to like it, get us out of the drought. It's been like 136 days since our last championship. <laughs> it's absolutely absurd. And I saw an article saying that Boston is the that people now think Boston is the most hated sports city in the country because they just keep winning and it's annoying. Yeah, I I can definitely see that people hate when others are good. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, what are you gonna do? Uh, be better, I guess. Yeah, uh, just I tell mean, everyone else like stop sucking. Yeah, like you know. We'll get to this, uh, maybe, but, you know, someone pimps a ball off a pitcher and everyone's like, just be better. So I guess that's what we should say to all other sports teams is just be better, I guess. If you, <laughs> Stop losing. Yeah, if you have a problem with Boston winning everything, I guess just be better. Yeah, so, just be better. Uh, yeah, man, speaking of being better, the NCAA, oh, the terrible, terrible organization known as the, the NCAA, um, they have made a step in the right direction, at least it seems. Um, a report came out last week. Um, a committee, which is co-chaired by the Ohio State um, Athletic Director Gene Smith, um, is meeting with the NCAA to discuss using the names and likeness of players and allowing compensation for that use, which is basically leading towards the the ability for EA Sports to come back out with the greatest video game ever made, NCAA football. Um, this is the most excited I've been about a sports story in a long time. What do you think? Um, what are your initial reactions? Are your hopes high? Or are they realistically low with how the NCAA has handled these things in the past? Um, my hopes are high that it happens. Um, realistically, do I see it happening anytime soon? No. Uh, NCAA, you know, I did play, we both played Division Three baseball. So technically we were NCA athletes, um, but you just read story after story about how terrible of an organization it is. Um, so they're going to do everything that they can to save their money. Mm-hmm. Um, we have on here that the Big Ten Conference made $759 million the past fiscal year. Like, I guess I can see the argument for not wanting to pay athletes, but I think that's a salary. Do we want to pay them, oh, hey, we'll pay you $100,000 a year to play sports? I get that argument to say no to. Mm-hmm. But you are if, if you produce a football game or if you're making money off their likeness, their image, I do believe that they should be compensated for that. I mean, and that's me as a fan of the NCAA football game, so of course I want them to come back and mm-hmm. so I can play them for all hours of the night and get my soon-to-be wife all upset with me because I don't pay enough attention to her or whatever. <laughs> but um, We need to teach her how to play. That's yeah, the exactly. Best. Okay. We could go head-to-head, or we can be on the same team. She could be like, I don't know, linebacker, Brett. <laughs> I heard she's really <laughs> too good. <soon>. Too soon. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I, I do think that they should be compensated at their likeness. 
Um, I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about the game, but I would like to hear your thoughts on it too. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I, I go back and forth on the whole like, should athletes be paid? I think they are. There, there's it's an amateur status. I get it. Um, people are paid through their. They get free education. Um, a lot of it's great. Um, however, the vast majority of these these folks who come in and um, are you know in in tough situations and get taken advantage of growing up, they get free education and they don't make it in a professional level, and then you know they're they're stuck. And I think I think it's one thing to pay athletes. I think it's another thing to use something that I mean to allow something something to be used for their own good. Like NCA right now is using some of their money to give them stipends for food and things like that. What's the difference between that and saying, oh, by the way, EA Sports used all of your names and likeness in a video game. You each get, I mean, it can't be that significantly like a chunk of change, but like you each get a certain amount of money mm-hmm. because of that. Yeah. And like that's huge for NCA football and basketball alike is, um, is what it is. Another thing that makes me excited is EA Sports producer has already come out and said, if this does get passed, we are beyond interested in rekindling our relationship with the NCA and making this work. Um, so yeah, this just, it's just amazing. I'm so excited. The games bring back so many memories of just like the old PS2 and the PS1, PS3, all of those like Xbox 360. Yeah. 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 For for you, for you non Sony people, um, until you had to get the show and then you had to play PlayStation. That's kind of how it goes. But, um, man, I just remember the days sitting back NCAA 2004, Carson Palmer on the cover running the triple option and the read option with Kansas state. I mean, those kind of days were just so good. Um, and then you make a road to glory player, and you can play 17 different positions in four years and be a 99 <laughs> overall at all of them. Yep. It was awesome. Do well, you have any memories sticking out from, from uh, playing these games back as a kid? Oh, well, you know. Best team ever on NCAA football was West Virginia with Pat White and Steve Slayton and that read <laughs> option. I mean, Knew it was coming. Talk yeah. about being unstoppable. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, what were you going to do? Pat White, Steve Slayton, both like 100 speed, just flying by people. But then if you want to pass it, Pat White, phenomenal passer in the game. So it's like, I guess that's a memory for me simply because West Virginia is my home. West Virginia is my team. So like actually playing with a team that was really good on a on a game is something that I don't experience very much being a Pirates fan and MLB the show <laughs> I think their highest rated player is 66 overall yeah it's been a tough start so you know I think that brings back memories because it was the first time that I played with a team that I enjoyed where they were actually good uh probably a little too good and a little unfair you know playing on freshman level yeah yeah <laughs> you're showing up playing the, the 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 junior varsity like recruit type level and you're running up the score 100 to nothing it- Yep, and I remember uh, you could be road to the show guy, make your make yourself a wide receiver, go to a top score or whatever, be like fish string, but you were uh, on the kickoff team. So yes. you could light some people up with the uh, hit stick <laughs> and then go out there and catch a touchdown pass. So, yes. you know, that was, that was always fun. Yes, they should make a walk-on mode in the next one where you just sit for four years and do like three and a half years, you're <laughs> filling out a clipboard and you get one shot. So you catch it, you get the whole crowd goes nuts. <laughs> yeah. Just uh, a grind mode. Um, they even made, Yeah, they even had like the ones where you could take the tests and stuff. Remember yeah. You, you, had, like, yeah, you, took you your... picked like a major and you got to like, oh, my major is in FBS nicknames. And I had to like name what the the mascot for Washington State University was. Yeah. And that was my final exam. Yeah. Well, that reminds me of, uh, what was that, Superstar Mode and Madden where they made you take yes. the quarterback test if you were a quarterback. Yes, like the Wonderlick or whatever. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> and you had, it was like timed and everything. So, you know, good times. 
uh, I always chose to be a first string no matter where I went. I never wanted to work my way to it. You know, I right. Well, I we're entitled be, yeah, millennials. That's how we're know, supposed to be. I wanted to be given to me. Yeah. So I was always first string at like Tulane or something. Yeah, that's the only way to do it. Yeah. You got to. I, I think I was like a quarterback at Army. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's just run the triple option. Change the triple option. You were like audible. Yeah. <laughs> Can I pass, please? I'm a quarterback. Um, how much money would you hypothetically spend on this game? That was my first. That was the first thing I thought of. Was like, okay, when this game comes out. How much would I actually spend? Um, I said win. By the way, I'm super optimistic. Yeah, I would. Uh, I would easily drop hundred bucks on this game. Um, you know, talking about getting married again, you already are. I feel like that had to be a conversation with my soon-to-be wife and your wife of how much money can I spend on this video game? Yeah. <laughs> um, but if it was up to me, hundred bucks easy. I'd probably, I'd probably drop on it, and I'd probably pre-order it. And even yes. though I work the next day, I'd probably stay up till four a.m. playing on the midnight release. Yeah, and... I'd probably quit my job. Um, I'd become and... a Twitcher. Yes, I'd become I'd become a streamer. <laughs> See us live, uh, live streaming NCAA football when it comes out. Oh, just the amount of modes that they could do with the graphics, I think it'd be insane. You could play online so much, and just so many different things you could do with that game. I would one hundred percent buy the biggest and best version of that game. Um, like if it's like a like a deluxe version, it yeah, yeah I would definitely spend it in the triple digits. 100%. Yeah, that that would definitely be fun. I was trying to think of other modes from other games that they can incorporate. You know, Diamond Dynasty mode and I'll be the show. Yeah, collect. You can collect cards. Yeah. You can do likeness. I mean, oh, yeah. the possibilities. Would, it would be it would be great. Oh, I don't know how that so would good. go because there's just so many players. That's true. So I don't know if that mode would be good. Maybe like take first stringers and some. I don't know, NCAA Hall of Famers or whatever. Man. But there, there's, like you said, there's a lot of possibilities for it. Unfortunately, you know, West Virginia football may or may not be good again, so I'll just have to play with somebody else. Well, we'll see what happens. Michigan's football's in the same spot, so don't <laughs> worry. I don't want to play a bunch of seven to three games against Indiana in the cold. Oh, well, go to West Virginia. You can play like 56 to 53 and lose a shootout to Kyler Murray. <laughs> That's pretty much how oh. it goes, yeah. There's no in-between. Oh, man. So, yeah, then uh, moving on from the most exciting thing to the second most exciting thing, in my opinion. Probably not to many of you, but that's okay. We're going to talk about baseball. Um, baseball, again, about two-ish months into the season. Uh, been a pretty pretty interesting year so far. Had a lot of young, young players. Um, just wanted to get your thoughts on the on the year so far. Maybe something that I, that I was thinking about, too, was um, there were a lot of, like, really high expectations for some teams coming in this year that have been a little disappointing. And some teams that weren't very good or weren't supposed to be that have played pretty well. Um, so, yeah, if you want to give me some of your thoughts there, uh, maybe disappointment is exciting or just like some th- thoughts on these young guys coming up. The young guys are phenomenal. Um, with a game that is losing interest, I definitely think it's great to see these 20 to 23-year-old guys come up. Um, we hit on Vlad Jr. last last time, so I'll try to stay away from him. But there is just... So many guys out there that deserve recognition, um, that are fun to watch. Brennan Rodgers just came up on Friday, who's been a top prospect for like mm-hmm. three years. Um, and even like smaller top prospects, like in the Pirates case, we brought up Brian Reynolds and Cole Tucker, and nobody really knows who they are. Um, but you're starting to see it more where teams are going to those young guys earlier to to get them that experience, and they're not wasting time. They're mm-hmm. going for it, and it may not be a big move, but you know we needed Cole Tucker at shortstop, so we called him up. We didn't waste time trying other things. We called him up. We needed an outfielder. Ryan Reynolds came up. Um, you know the Padres needed a starter. Chris Pat- Chris Paddock is there. 
um, Alonzo for the Mets. They need a first baseman. He was he's there. Um, so it is exciting. I love watching the young guys come up. They're playing well. Um, fun to watch. But as for most disappointing team, oh man, I I honestly don't know. Let me see here. Yeah, there's been some there's been some ups and downs for the teams. And, and again, it is a month and a half, two months into the season. But right about now, I feel like it's a good like okay litmus test of your team's around this good. Yeah. Um. So I have two of them. One is like okay, how can they be a disappointment because no one really wanted them to be be good or expected them to be good. And that's the Cincinnati Reds. Mm. They made all those offseason moves. They made their lineup look like it was gonna be incredible, and you know they released Matt Camp. Is Puig above 200? He may be. I know he hit a walk-off bomb and I mean, no, a walk-off single and chucked the bat to the stands, I think. Yeah, it was pretty awesome. But it was against the Cubs, so that's okay. I enjoyed it. it yeah, fun. you know, that's fine. But I think they're disappointed just because the expectations that were coming with them with the moves that they made, mm-hmm. they're not really living up to them at the moment. Pitching for them has been phenomenal, so that's not a disappointment at yeah, all. Yeah, they were leading the major leagues in an ERA as yeah. of, I think, Friday. Yeah, so pitching phenomenal. It's just their execution on the offensive side has been a been a disappointment. Votto has been yeah. really tough. Um, tough to see that for sure. I I agree. Yeah, I think they might come out of it. Some of the the trends as far as like run differential, which again that's because their pitching's been amazing. They have a plus twenty nine run differential. Um, that's pretty. That's a pretty substantial um, gap there for being four games below five hundred. So yeah. Um, yeah, and the Pirates are. Three games above 500 with a minus 41 run differential. Right, which is second worst in the National League. So, you know, things can change. Uh, just real quick, my other team that's been a disappointment, the Rockies. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. They, what, they won a play-in game. No, they won the wild card game, lost the play-in game. They pretty much got everyone back, and it just seems like for the first two months their wheels have kind of like fallen off. Nolan Arenado is still performing at a high level, and he's starting to get better. He started off a little slow, but they need to figure out something with that pitching staff. Everyone thought Kyle Freeland, including myself, was going to be their ace, and it seems like he's not really their ace. I mean, he's still young. Their pitching staff is still fairly young for the most part. Mm -hmm. So it's just figuring out that the pitching and everything. I would like to see them compete. Uh, They're eight and a half back of the Dodgers, but like you said, two and a half. Two and a half months in, uh, because it's always fun to see some battles up near their top, and I really don't want to see the Dodgers run away with the division. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, and those are those are two solid choices. The um, the Rockies have certainly kind of been one of those teams that you expect to be there at the end, um, but not looking great so far. Um, I'm going to pick one that's probably pretty obvious: the the Washington Nationals, um, sitting with a record of 19 and 26, seven back of the Phillies. Um, I mean, anytime you lose a guy like Bryce Harper in the off season. You expect it to be a little bit of a shell shock to the team. Um, but you sign a guy like Patrick Corbin, and you allowed room for guys like Victor Robles and Adam Eaton and Juan Soto to play every single day in the outfield. Their lineup on paper and their pitching staff on paper, with the exception of their like setup guys in their bullpen, make them one of, if not the best team on paper in the National Leagues. And you know it, it's it, it, you hate to see this too because they have shown a, a history. They, they've fired like more managers, I think, of... I want to say that any team in the National League, I have, I have no basis to make this statement. <laughs> it's totally not true. If, but uh, they fired so many men. Dusty Baker was fantastic for him. Davey Williams was pretty good. Um, they just fired Davey, uh, um, Lilliquist, their pitching coach, earlier this mm-hmm. year. 
Um, Davey Martinez is looking to be on the hot seat again after a not a great year last year. Off to a bad start here. Um, another team that I was kind of disappointed in so far has been the uh, the Oakland A's. Um, they were a huge surprise last year to win 96 games or when I was 95 games to get into the playoffs. Um, they they were fantastic. I mean, it was it was such a shock. No one expected that. Um, they won 97 games and got in the wild card. But this year so far, it's been a bit of a different story. I can't tell if this is just a regression to the means of like what they were supposed to be all along. But they have some talent on that team. Um, they don't have a great pitching staff, but they have a lineup that should compete. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're 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 uh, a game back of the Angels right now, who are also kind of disappointing as well. So um, those would be my two selections for teams that are kind of disappointing. But uh, a team that I'm I'm kind of excited about. Now this is this is kind of a, a leap of faith here. I've got like a, a team that would be in the mix maybe late in the season. That it'll be they'll look up and be like, oh wow, they're actually like kind of in the in it. You know, there's always that one team that's like three out of the wild card in like September. And you're like, how the heck are they still around? Yeah, absolutely. And my pick for that is the Chicago White Sox. Now I don't feel that confident in it just off the off the cuff, but their roster on paper is very young and very exciting. Um, and they've played pretty well. They've had some tough luck with injuries. Carlos Rodon just went down um, after I picked them for this, which is kind of unfortunate, but I'm going to stick with them. Uh, Michael Kopech, again, is hurt, but Jose Abreu's having a phenomenal year. Yaman Cotta's playing well. Tim Anderson's slipping bats left and right, playing well. Um, and uh, obviously, El Garcia's... Oh, he's down in Tampa now, isn't he? Just kidding. Um, but anyways, the, the, the White Sox are a team that I would not be shocked because of the division they're in as well. If they're hanging around that wild card spot, do not think they're going to get the playoffs by any stretch of the imagination. But I wouldn't be shocked if I look up in September and like, oh, they're four or five out. They're like mm-hmm. still legitimately in it. Yeah, and you know Tim Anderson's also calling out MLB analysts left and right. Yeah, there. yeah. So you know, keep it keeping the game exciting. So I'm going to go because I could choose an easy team, a team that I'm excited to watch is the Twins, just because you know why not? They're mashing every everywhere. So and it's someone different in the AL Central that we haven't seen in a while. But uh, real choice, I'm going to go with the Padres. Mm-hmm. Um, Tatis, Manny Machado, Will Myers, Hunter Renfro. I mean, and the list goes on. And then add in Chris Paddock, who lights out so he's far. He's been a Cy Young yeah, candidate. He's yeah. phenomenal. So I don't have much faith in their team beyond that. Uh, their pitching staff is actually quite bad beyond him. So... I, they're not going to make it very far, but I mean, you look at their division. The Rockies are below five hundred. The Giants are below five hundred. The Giants are terrible. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then you have Arizona, who's real hit or miss. They should be worse than what they are. They trade everyone away. They're pretty good. Then you have the Dodgers, so that's a tough one. But then you look at the rest of the NL, and like honestly, the NL is not great. Yeah. So. Oh my gosh. So I think that they have a chance to scoop up some out of division games. Uh, they have a chance to win a lot of division games. So I think they could be around. They will never catch the Dodgers or mm-hmm. anything like that. But I think they'll be fun to watch for the remainder of the year. Yeah. Yeah, and that, I like that pick a lot. Arizona hanging around. Uh, that's been good to see as well. Uh, Torrey Lovello's done a really good job. At what, uh, I think Mark DeRosa says it every time. But like, You can't tell me that when you trade Paul Goldschmidt that you're not in a rebuild. But they're still playing like they're, they're competing, which is great. Um, last thing we'll touch on here is uh, – Couple of, a week or so ago, Mike Fires against Cincinnati Reds in Oakland throws his second career no hitter. Mike Fires second no hitter of his career, which of course got us thinking. Mike Fires 
solid career. No disrespect to him. He's a, he's a solid pitcher. But he's not a guy that you're looking at going, man, he's thrown two no-hitters. That's, that's, that makes sense but because it, it doesn't. So we were wondering, and we were just talking about this, and, and, and I wanted to share this with you. It's like, well, who is like the most, I guess, mediocre pitcher of all time to throw a no-hitter? And then on the flip side, who's the best pitcher to not throw one? Ooh, um, yeah, initial thought this is the first one I ever thought of Philip Humbert anybody don't don't know his name that's because you shouldn't know his name <laughs> he was terrible yeah he uh, 16 and 23 with a uh, 5-3-1 ERA over his career threw an perfect, perfect game. game a perfect game perfect game for the White Sox I actually have no idea what year that was but um, too long ago but yeah it, yeah I mean it, I don't even know Philip Humber. I honestly, are you kidding me? Back in 2012 against the Mariners. 2012, Philip Humber. Yeah, worst one for me. Um, best pitcher to not throw one. I think there's a good list of them. There's some hall. There's some good hall of famers yeah. on the list. Um, I'll say Roger Clemens. Uh, just because. One of the greats to do it, you know, he has the asterisk next to his name for steroids and everything. But at the same time, phenomenal pitcher. Uh, how he doesn't have a no-hitter, I have no idea. Yeah, so he had 13 two-hitters. Yes, and insane. Uh, he does have a 20-strikeout performance, though. Mm-hmm. So that's even more rare than a no-no. Yeah. So I guess that's something to look at. But how he doesn't have a no-no is kind of beyond me. Yeah, that. That that was surprising. So looking through the list was surprising. Um, the the guy, I mean, Philip Humbers jumps off the page as mediocre pitcher to not throw one because no one's ever heard of him. Um, another guy for the Cardinals back in '99 was Jose Jimenez. He was a career 24 and 44 with a 4.92 ERA, and he he threw a no no um, back in '99. But uh, the the other guy that I think would be the best pitcher to not throw one, I would say, be Pedro Martinez. Um, honorable mentions to Greg Maddox and Steve Carlton. I mean, Steve Carlton had 4,100 Ks. He was second all time for forever behind Randy Johnson. Probably the nasty, the second nastiest lefty of all time. Not throwing a no hitter was surprising. Um, but Pedro Martinez, um, he did not throw a no hitter technically, but in a game um, back in I can't remember the year, he threw nine perfect innings in a loss. Um, so or in a one nothing win he they did up he gave up a double in the bottom of the tenth and they still won the game but he threw nine perfect innings and did not throw a no hitter in his career to, to completion so he threw a no hitter through nine innings threw a perfect game through nine innings but it was not zero zero going into the tenth I think that's insane to me too happened last year the year before Dodgers versus the Pirates at PNC Park Rich Hill on the mound yes went nine no hit innings and then gave up a leadoff bomb in the bottom of the 10th for a walk-off. Just insane to me. Yeah. Um, but someone else who also threw a no-hitter, uh, Mother's Day, Dallas Braden. Yeah. Uh, he, 26-36, 4-1-6 ERA in a five-year career. Injury-shortened, yeah. Pretty, pretty good, but it's still like uh, no, everyone knows Dallas Braden, the analyst, not Dallas Braden, the person who threw a no-no on Mother's right. Day. Right, yeah. And he, he had a, he would have probably had a much better career. He had some in, injuries, but yeah, that, that's a... That's unfortunate. Really cool moment for him, though, to throw that on, on Mother's Day with his Absolutely. mom in the stands. 
Um, so yeah, that, that that's a. Uh, so that's pretty much a wrap for the the sports talk portion. Um, you know, as we mentioned earlier in the podcast and on on the one last week, um, you know, Shane and I really love talking about two things that we care about deeply, and that's sports and, and our faith and our relationship with God. Um, and last week we touched touched on uh, John three sixteen and and that verse and what that means to us and what that means for for you guys as well. Um, and then this week I'm gonna jump to one of my favorite verses in Scripture. It's in Ephesians chapter two. Um, the verses I'm reading are, are verses three through five, and then I'll jump down to verse ten as well. Um, so yeah, it, it reads in, starting in verse three. It says, "You know, all of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying cravings of our flesh, following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath, but because of His great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved." And then verse ten it says, "For we are God's handiwork." created in Christ Jesus to do good works for which God has prepared for us in advance to do. Um, and and th- this this verse is just awesome. This passage is great. Um, I really love um, just the weight of it, of how it's like when we were dead in our sins, so when we um, you know fell short of God's standard for us repeatedly, like it says, we were gratifying the cravings of our flesh. Um, we were deserving of wrath, and, and we were deserving of punishment. But God showed us mercy he made us alive um, through grace which is just an awesome truth oh absolutely this is definitely a great verse great section of verses that you picked um, to go through Um, and just the beginning of it is just all of us also lived among them at one time like you know we're, we're sitting here doing this podcast not thinking that we're like the greatest people ever to live we're actually thinking the opposite of it because we've we have lived among them at one time and like this has definitely changed our lives and realizing that like it is through the grace of God that we are, that we are saved, that we are forgiven. Um, it, it is just so powerful to unpack. I think, uh, and also we didn't read, you didn't read verse nine, but it also is not by works, So no one can boast. And Mm -hmm. I think that's important to know too, that like this, this mercy that we are showed, like it isn't through, are good morals it's not because we're good people it is it is that through the grace of god that we are saved that he loved us so much that we talked about in our first one that he sent his son and and this one that talks about his love um his love for us who was rich in mercy so i think that's also important to hit on is that like it's not what it's not what we've done um it's what god's done for sure for sure and i think a lot of times you know, we hear grace, you know, a lot in Christian circles and things like that. And it can be, um, it can lose its like, like its power. It's like allure, I guess. Um, but like when we recognize what like the significance of it, of it means and like what it means for us, um, it changes everything. And, um, something I, I love verse 10, um, where it says that we are God's handiwork or his, his, his masterpiece, masterpiece. His, um, his, his great craftsmanship. Um, he, we were created in him to do good works. And I think that's just so cool to recognize. You know, sometimes a lot of times we hear, we hear things from the world about what we need to be, what standards we need to live up to and how we don't meet those and like what we need to do better to become, you know, whatever we're supposed to be. Um, but God is saying right here that we have been like, we are his masterpiece. He put effort and time and energy into creating us and that he is giving us the ability to do these good works and that nothing else should really define us, but what he has done for us. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and 
I always like to ask the question of like, what does a masterpiece, what is a masterpiece? Because like, you know, people are like, oh, masterpiece, whatever. But like, when you think of it and you put it in, in like a form of art, it's like something that you are, that you would pay so much money to put in your house. And, you know, God's not paying millions of dollars for us to be in his house. He gave his son for that. That that was his payment. And I, I just think it's so cool when you talked about like, you know, how we should, and I was trying to look it up, and for some reason, I I don't know why, I don't know this off the top of my head, I'm actually pretty um, embarrassed. <laughs> um, but, oh yeah, Ephesians 5, it says uh, to be imitators of God, and like, that's what our lives are supposed to reflect, you know, he has created us in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God's prepared us to do in advance, and those good works are being imitators of God. Um so yeah, I definitely love the passages that you said that you picked. I love everything it has to say, and there's just I would encourage you if you're still listening to go through and read Ephesians too. Um, mm-hmm. It's a great, great book. Yeah, for sure. And and you know when you say we're, we're called the imitators of love, like what is or, or imitators of God? What does that look like? I kind of just slipped it. It's it's to be love. Like yeah. in verse four, His great love for us, He was rich in mercy. Um, and we get to be that with each other, and it, it's it's so cool. Um, and getting to live this out in every aspect of life whether it's work school your relationships your friendships um getting to see and feel and know that you know my performance here isn't what defines me it's what god has made me to do and like god has ordained me to do good works for him and to love other people while i'm doing this um and and it's really awesome and that we are not by our own works it's not we have to get it all together and we have to perform in front of god to get his approval Mm -hmm. we've already gotten his approval Mm -hmm. now we get to just live into it and enjoy life with him. Um, yeah. Yeah. I guess, I guess just one more thing, you know, as I'm continuing to read through it, uh, and again, we didn't talk about it, but in verse seven, it says incomparable riches of his grace. And like, I think that's just so powerful because it's so true. Like Mm -hmm. we're, there's nothing that this world offers that is comparable to the grace that he has given us for, you know, forgiveness of our sins and everything. So, Mm -hmm. Incomparable. I love that word choice because it, it is true. There is nothing that can really be compared on this on this earth compared to what God has done for us through His mercy and His love. For sure. Yeah, and that's awesome. Yeah. Well, yeah. Thanks you guys for for listening. For you for you still hanging out. Um, you know, we love talking about this, and you know, we'll we'll try to get another one. I know Shane Shane's getting married <laughs> this weekend, so uh, so we're gonna we're gonna celebrate that with him this weekend. It's gonna be a super exciting time. Um, so yeah, just appreciate hanging out. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks guys. And, uh, I guess we'll see you next time. Check us out on, uh, you know, Apple podcasts, Spotify, um, whatever you're listening on, you can check it out pretty much on anything. It should be there. So yeah, thanks for hanging and then we'll see you guys later.